Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pretty Powerful Podcast. My name is Angela Gennari, and today I'm here with Patty Handy. How are you, Patty? Great, Angela. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Thank you so much. So I want to introduce Patty to you guys. So after spending a combined 20 years as a financial advisor and mortgage advisor and having countless conversations with women, Patty Handy decided to pursue her dream of financial coaching for women. A teacher at heart, she loves to educate and empower women with money smarts. Understanding that money can be an overwhelming topic for many, she is audaciously passionate and about creating financial confidence when it comes to your well-being. This has been the catalyst to follow her passion of empowering and educating women in their financial journey. Patty is a certified executive coach, certified life coach, holds a real estate broker's license, and a publisher of four books, or excuse me, a published author of four books. So congratulations. What an incredible, impressive bio you have there. Oh, thank you. So I love that you are a financial advisor and you are here to help educate women on Money Smarts because I love to talk about taboo topics and money is a taboo topic for women, isn't it? It is. It's uh, it's intimidating for most. Mm-hmm. It's intimidating. We tend to say, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Like we may be good at, you know, being responsible with our money, but we're not good at necessarily investing and putting it in the right places and making sure that we're setting up a fund for later on in life, should there be any kind of issues. And so I think that there's just so much work that can be done. And the sad reality is that in what we call, what I call mom circles, you know, the bus stop crew, you know, we're not talking about money and we should be talking about money. We should be talking about money. We should be talking about success. We should be talking about business but it's kind of a taboo topic. So I'm really excited to dive into this with you. Yeah, this is a juicy conversation. (laughs) Mm -hmm, For sure. So talk to me a little bit about what got you interested in being a financial advisor. Um, Well, I was a financial advisor. I'm a financial coach now. Mm -hmm. So um, gosh, it goes back to really when I was very young. I was always um, an entrepreneur. I was always Mm -hmm. focused on trying to figure out how to make money. When mm-hmm. I was nine years old, I had my first little candy stand and nice. I, you know, learn how to make my own money. I come from a family of five kids and my parents always said, if you want money, you got to figure out how to make it your own. I'm like, okay. So mm-hmm. I had my little candy stand that graduated up to a ice cream stand. And <laughs> that was the, uh, that was the start for me. That's um, awesome. just, um, yeah. I've always been fascinated with the markets, understanding finance and investing and and I just, it just always was something I, I enjoyed. I was in corporate banking for many years. Then I had my son. Um, then I, when he was 18 months old, I went through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And I did not want to put him in daycare. So I had to f- figure out fast what to do and not have to be, you know, nine to five or eight to eight, you know, in, a, in corporate mm-hmm. world. So I um, navigated to mortgage lending. I was a mortgage advisor for many, many years, uh, which allowed me to work at home and sort of, flexibility with my schedule. Then I transitioned to financial um, advisory role, which I enjoyed because I love the idea of working deeper in a relationship 
where mm-hmm. the mortgage world was a little bit more transactional, whereas a financial advisor, you really get intimate with your clients. Mm-hmm. And um, this last year, I left my role as a financial advisor to start my own business as a financial coach. And Very that was cool. leap of faith. Yeah, I'm really enjoying uh, it. Good for you. Good for you. I love I love that you um, have pivoted at different times in your life to to accommodate what was going on in your life, I think, because that's, you know, what we do best is, you know, there's a situation that comes about, you know, whether it's divorce, whether it's, you know, uh, having a child, whatever that is, and we have to pivot our lives around it. And, you know, you you become resilient at at figuring it out. So I love that. Good for you. We do figure it out. And I think, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the perfect word, word you've said is resilience. We mm-hmm. just, we build that muscle with the, uh, the challenges that we have in our life. And I'm, I'm a big believer that our experiences are, our, our challenges are the, 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 the greatest learning opportunity for us as painful mm-hmm. as it is at the time. Um, those are, and looking back on my life, some of the more challenging times have been the most, um growth leaps for me absolutely yeah i 100 percent agree with you because there are so many instances in my life where i can pinpoint exactly where that pivotal moment was and it was the the that painful part that's the growth right the the stuff that really hurts and you're like oh i gotta figure out how to get through this that's where you're growing and you're learning that resilience and you're learning that that ability to rebound from any situation yeah not always fun not mm-hmm. always, you know, in the moment. It's always like, why is this happening? Exactly, exactly. So later you can look back. <laughs> yeah. So when you were going through your divorce and raising a toddler, how do you navigate also running a business? Because it's a it's a balance. It was, uh, oof. It, it was, it was, it was not a fun journey. I'll, I'll be honest. It was a mm-hmm. challenge. Mm-hmm. I was in the mortgage business for about seventeen years, um, and. That is a kind of an entrepreneurial job in itself because it's all commission. I don't have a base salary. I just was, you know, um, generating business. I was mom first and foremost, and I always put the mom role, you know, ahead of everything else. So um, I worked when he was sleeping or at school, and I allowed myself to, you know, work at night and and the weekends if he was with his dad on the weekends. Um, I had a huge support system with my sisters who helped. Tremendously, my uh, younger sister actually lived across the street from me, and she had two kids who were similar age. So my son had a built-in sibling situation, which was lovely. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but it's you know what? It's one day at a time. I mean, it was like one step forward, two steps back, three steps forward, two steps back. It was this linear. It wasn't. It was not a linear, you know, process. It was mm-hmm. this gyration of holy crap, can I really do this, mm-hmm. you know, to sobbing, to I got this, you know, I'm mm-hmm. a badass. I mean, it was just that the roller coaster of, of every emotion in those years. It just, it's just what it is. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to touch on this point before we move on from the mortgage industry, because, you know, we were going through some crazy times with the mortgage industry right now um, with the interest rates going up and inflation. So I'm sure over 17 years, you've dealt with that quite a bit. It can be a bit of a roller coaster when it comes to mortgage industry, because you're, it's oh, yeah. based on so many factors outside of how good you are at your job, right? You can be the best damn mortgage broker out there, but if the market's fluctuating and real estate is, you know, booming or busting or whatever, it's it's yeah. challenging, right? 
It is. It, it was a it was a, a ride for sure. And um, you know, as prices of houses went up and interest rates changed and the market quieted, we I went through many gyrations of refi market just completely drying up, and I was focusing on the purchase market, which was all you know realtor relationships and, Oh, and yeah. other you know real. So I was constantly building my relationships with my referral partners, um, constantly networking, talking to people. Um, and yes, it was just this, you know, I hate to use the term grind and hustle, but I was at that point in time, it was a, a, a grind and hustle. That's what it was. Yeah, absolutely. And learning, you know, reinventing your your job every day. Because depending on what the market does, you're you're going after a different target market. You're figuring out how to create a different package. You're, you know, reinventing what you do on a regular basis, I would imagine. Yeah, and before video, you know, got really big on social media, I would do video with um, realtors, with home inspectors, with appraisers, anybody involved in that whole process, we would do like little informational videos. And I would send that out to my, um, you know, client base, I would post on Facebook. Um, now videos everywhere on every platform. And so it's a different thing. It's crazy. I've watched that grow. But um, yeah, you think outside the box. You just do what you got to do. Yeah. And I'm sure that's helped you throughout your journey too, because, you know, when you're learning all of that in your day-to-day -day life as a, in a career with mortgages, I'm sure going into financial services and, and advising your clients, it's kind of that same mentality of like, okay, we're going to pivot here and this is going to be okay. I just need you to trust me on this. So Yeah. I Yeah. imagine just earning that trust from your, from your clients is a big factor. Yeah, most most definitely. Funny, funny side note. I left the mortgage industry and went into the financial planning industry in January of 2020, Oh, wow. and then COVID hit, and the interest rates tanked. The refi boom was insane, and um, I mean, I missed out on financially so much opportunity financially <laughs> from leaving the mortgage. I, mean, I could have probably Yeah. tripled my income or more. <laughs> All right. I stayed like that year, like who knew? And then of course we were all working at home. So it was, it was, it was, insane. yeah, it was kind of crazy, but. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so so you're pivoting into the financial services market financial planning what advice would you give to women when they are you know at what point do you start saying okay you need to make this pivot or that pivot is it when they got out of college is it when they start their 401k is it you know develop you know creating a stock investment plan what, what do you what what are those main key points that women tend to miss I think it's important that um, regardless of where you are in your career or life, you know, it's, it's important to get that solid understanding of investing, get comfortable with investing, understanding what that's about, get comfortable with managing your money, understanding what's coming in, what's going out, understanding your net worth, really understanding your financial picture, whether you're, you know, flying solo in life or whether you're happily married, this should be the case regardless of that circumstance. Mm hmm Yeah. Um, The more you understand, the more you know, the more confident you'll feel that which brings that peace of mind. You'll feel that, you know, in control and it's just a great place to be. So um, do what you've got to do to get comfortable with investing. Uh, that's probably one of the first things I would say. Um, next to understanding your current financial situation. First and foremost, you've got to know where you're starting at. 
So you got to get a really good handle on what's happening in your world today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we we tend to kind of put our head in the sand and just kind of assume it'll all be okay. But it's it's a very intentional thing is is managing money. It's very intentional. And I think um, from what I've seen over the years, the um, the head in the sand kind of, of, of um, behavior is really, it stems from, and I've heard these words out of women's mouths. It's not like I'm saying these words, but there's shame, mm. there's embarrassment, there's overwhelm, um, there's frustration. And that's why you don't, to your points at the top of the hour, you know, this is not a conversation at the bus stop. It's yeah. it's embarrassing. It's too. I don't want to show the world. I don't understand what I'm doing, or I'm not confident in this. You know, piece of my my life. Um, and what they don't realize is that gal next to them is probably in the same place or in a similar place, mm-hmm. um, or was at that place at some point, and they can help them. And um, yeah, it's just you know, seek that help. Get that get that help when you um, whenever you can. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And you're right. It's in shame and embarrassment. You know, we're afraid to admit what we don't know. And, you know, we don't want to look like the person who's clueless about their own money, right? That that doesn't come across well. So we want to feel confident in so many areas of our life. But finances is one of those things that sometimes we're a little ashamed of the things that we don't know. We're afraid to ask the questions. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like I said, I I've heard those words come out of clients' mouths and it's uh, some of those meetings were women in tears and it's um, it's sad, especially those who um, were divorced or widowed um, mm. unexpectedly mm-hmm. and the husband took care of the money and they really didn't know anything. So it was like they're starting over yeah. and they're also <clears throat> dealing with the grief of losing their spouse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's so important, you know, to that point is knowing where to find this information. You know, if you're married, um, you should be having regular conversations about, you know, where this information is. And it should be in one place that you both have access to and you have should have discussions about, you know, this is what I have for a life insurance policy. Because I've run across so many people who have no idea that their spouse had a life insurance policy and where to even find it and how to get into their bank account. And, you know, there's just it's one of those things where you just always expect that the other person is going to be able to manage it until they can't. And then you're in a then you're in a pickle. Yeah, I encourage married couples to have money dates at least once a quarter. And Mm -hmm. when they just, you know, spend a half an hour over dinner talking about their current situation, looking at their assets, seeing, you know, how things are performing. Um, And yes, you have to know where everything is being held, know the password to get into the account, Mm -hmm. um, understand, like you said, all of the insurance documents, understanding your credit, if you've got, you know, credit card debt, you know, how that's being paid down. Um, All of that, the entire financial picture needs to be known by both parties 100% because life happens. And Mm -hmm. even if it's in a beautiful relationship and the husband is like, I'll just take care of it. And the wife's like, great, that's fine. I don't want to deal with it. Fine, he can take care of it. But she should, you know, she she still needs to know where things are because Mm -hmm. he might get in the car and not come home because of a car accident. He might have a stroke, not be able to tell her where things are at. And and, I mean, I don't want to sound morbid, but you know, that kind of stuff happens. And, the last thing you want to be dealing with is trying to find out your financial situation when you're in the middle of grieving the trauma of loss or this new life that you've got that you're dealing with. 
Yeah, well, and not even that. Sometimes it's just safeguarding yourself. Like you don't know what you don't know. So you you could think you're in a wonderful marriage. And meanwhile, your spouse is squandering money away. You know, it could be gambling or or an addiction or something. And you you have no idea. Or they could be making financial decisions with, you know, your future that you, you know, they just drained out all of your, you know, 401k and they put it into Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, like yeah. these are yeah. conversations that you can't rely on somebody to give you full information on, you know, even if there's good intentions, you know, maybe it's not cheating or gambling or addictions or vices. Maybe it's something where you thought you had good intentions. And that, that actually happened to me in a marriage where um, I was, I was, turning over everything to my spouse, thinking that he was handling everything. And meanwhile, he had changed the way our tax deductions were working. And uh, so we were both, you know, we were self-employed and I was 51% owner of the company and he was 49% owner of the company. But he had taken me out of the income and put me as a dependent instead of a, you know, instead of an earner so that he could be head of household and it would save us on taxes. But what it ended up doing is I didn't find this out for quite a while. We went to go apply for a mortgage and I didn't qualify because it looked like I had no income. And so it, it was a really ugly situation where, you know, had we not applied for that mortgage and I found this out, I may have not known for years. And uh, but, yeah, it was it was the intention wow. was for tax purposes, you know, to to save a little bit of money. But ultimately, in the end, it looked like I had no income, no credit score, no anything. And wow. so, um, yeah, that's that's information that you need to tell your spouse, regardless if it's good intentions or bad intentions. These conversations must be had. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry to hear that. That's, that's tough. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those are, those are situations where uh, if you're not having these regular discussions and you're not having a mutual agreement about what something means, because, you know, I've heard stories where women were, were married and um, you know, the spouse suddenly passed away and they thought they had all these things put in place in terms of savings accounts and, and life insurance. And, oh, I canceled that policy because, you know, it was costing us a little bit of extra money. And now the spouse and the children are homeless and they're they're in a bad financial situation. So you just have to have these conversations and you cannot make any large decisions that are impactful of your family without full disclosure. Yeah. Yeah. You can't afford not to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. You can't afford not to um, even if you're, you know, soaring solo in life, I call it, um, you, you can't afford to put the head in the sand. You absolutely need to um, have those conversations. Maybe they're uncomfortable at first. Mm-hmm. Find somebody that you feel safe with, you know, speaking with, whether it's a financial coach, financial mm-hmm. advisor, your CPA, an attorney, family friend who you trust completely and that is very knowledgeable in the financial world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, then, and then trust your gut you know, listen to your intuition. Mm-hmm. I think we, we as women are very intuitive and it's important to listen to that. And if something seems a little off, then you need to just heed that, that red flag and listen to that. Yes, absolutely. So uh, what advice would you give um, to women who are starting out in their career? So I just graduated from college. I'm off to do my, you know, to, to start my life. But what advice would you give to someone? Well, on the financial front, I would say, you know, first and foremost, take advantage of the 401k. Mm-hmm. Max, out, max out the 401k at your employer, especially if there's a match. That's just, a match is free money. 
and the power of compound interest. If you run the compound interest on a calculator online and you see how that grows over time, how you can retire as a millionaire or multimillionaire potentially, mm -hmm. just by starting that early, it's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, I also, from a non-financial place, well, let me do one more on the financial side. Protect your, your credit. Make sure you know what your credit score is and monitor that regularly because that's your your report card to the world. And when you go to buy a home, go to buy a car, go to apply for credit cards, whatever, your credit score is gonna be, you know, is imperative. That's your interest rate is gonna be better if you got a better score. Um, and if it's not a great score, you've got to work on getting that score up. Um, so just maintain that and watch that. Those are two really critical pieces of having your finances in place. Mm -hmm. um, watch your emotional spending. Watch the spending of keeping up with your friends and having to have all the latest and greatest this and that and whatever's mm -hmm. uh, because that's affecting your financial long-term you know, life. Um, from a, from a non-financial piece, um, and I tell my son this, it's like, you know, in 10 years from now, there's going to be some of the most amazing jobs available to to you that don't even exist today that's right yeah and and so don't get so wrapped up in oh my god i've got to have my whole life planned out and my career planned out and be open to opportunities and possibilities and be open to pivoting and be okay with doing something for a few years realizing you don't like it and doing something else it's okay mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah I agree. I mean, we could have never imagined, like when I got out of college, I would have never imagined what an influencer was. I would have had no idea. <laughs> and, and yeah. uh, you know, there's there's so many things, you know, with robotics, with with technology that just didn't exist when we were coming out of, you know, school. So, yeah, it changes constantly. And just to to keep yourself adaptable. Yeah. And there's some people making crazy money on social media. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, you speak of the influencers, but there's people who are selling product and there's yeah. It's like even under the radar, you know, um, there's there's so many opportunities. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So when somebody does have bad credit, you know, somebody gets out of college and they've made some bad choices, how do they start rebuilding that credit? What what advice do you have for that? Yeah, it depends on what they what they have going on. If they've got a bunch of lates, mortgage mm -hmm. lates, oh, well, they won't have a mortgage late, but they'll have credit card lates. Um, mm -hmm. You really can't do much about that. You've got to just season that off. Mm -hmm. um, I would try to, not try to, I would make it absolute, you know, first and foremost, to pay off every credit card bill you can in full Yeah. Um, before the, the, the due date. Don't wait until it's due to make that payment. Um, if, you, if you can show the credit bureaus that you can be responsible with your money and you show them by using and paying and using and paying and using and paying over and over again, mm -hmm. you're rebuilding that trust, so to speak, mm -hmm. with the credit bureaus. So yeah. pay in full, if at all possible. Um, don't close out credit cards because part of your score is credit history. Actually, 50% mm -hmm. is credit history. And if you lose, if you close the card, you lose the history. Oh, so yeah. you don't want to lose that history. Um, but your, your payment history is 35%. So you want to make sure that you're on time every time yeah. um if you do end up getting a mortgage later then if you have a mortgage late that is a absolute killer to your score so make sure you set it up where it's automatically paid every month if you have to just put that up automatically so you don't gotta think about it um mm -hmm. and just 
have those things dialed in as much as possible. But using and paying and using and paying is really the best way to kind of jumpstart that um, and do what you can to clean up whatever the issues are. Yeah, absolutely. And would you give that same advice for women who are starting over after, you know, whether whether it's a divorce or or bankruptcy or or some other kind of major life event, somebody who's having to start over financially? Um, would that be the same advice? Yeah, definitely. I think that you've got to, if you're coming out of a bankruptcy, then you've got to rebuild your credit. Mm -hmm. um, so you may have to start off with a, um, you know, if, if you can't get a Visa, MasterCard, you know, American Express, you might need to get like a gas card. Mm -hmm. you know, everyone puts gas in their car. So right. put gas in the car, pay it off in full. Um, don't open department stores. Yeah. Don't open... Um, buy now, pay laters. That is bad for your credit. Um, don't get sucked into the, oh, well, if you open a credit card today, you'll save 10% off your purchase. No, thank you. Yeah, because it's usually 24% interest on that. So you're losing at the end of the day. Yeah, I was at a store recently. I won't name the name, name, the name but um, uh, I was checking out my purchase was only about $100. Mm -hmm. And she's like, um, oh, we'll offer you, you know, I think it was even 20% um, mm -hmm. off of your off of your thing if you open a credit card. And I'm like, no, thank you. And she's like, that's $20. I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. Are you sure? I mean, she acted like four times. And I was like, getting a little bit peeved at that point. I'm like, <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, it was clear that they must have gotten some kind of bump or commission or something off of the cards that got opened. But, oh, yeah. Yeah. But no, you don't want to do that. Um, okay. Yeah, just focus on rebuilding that. Yeah. You know, I actually have heard, um, I can't remember what store it was, but there was a, something had come out and, and uh, they actually made more money off of their credit cards than they did in their actual retail store. So oh, wow. more revenue came from credit card interest rates than Oof. their store. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's scary. That, that is very scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So just goes to show the, the revenue driver for a lot of these is, is you know, having their own credit card makes yeah. makes them a lot more money. And they so. know people are carrying balances. Mm -hmm. That's exactly yeah. right. So, so um, having a money mindset, can you tell me what that means? So the money mindset conversation is a probably an hour long one in itself. Yeah. <laughs> very high level. It's important to understand our money story, which really mm -hmm. stems from our childhood and how those stories, um, you know, ripple into our adult life. So if we yeah. grew up hearing things about, you know, rich people are greedy, you know, we can't afford that. And the conversation was around lack and scarcity and fear that's what's playing in your subconscious mind. So that's what's kind of coming into your world today. Yeah. Conversely, if you grew up in a family where there was lots of abundance and money was, you know, uh, just a tool to create opportunities and, and that kind of conversation, your outlook on life and money is very different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really starting off with being aware of what you heard and finding the, um, the 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 uh the, the, I'll use the word lie in it. So if if you heard you know, rich people are greedy, you can go well. No, there's a lot of very lovely, very wealthy people who are very philanthropic and very generous. So that's right. a lie. 
Right. Um, I, I always say that money makes you more of what you already are. If you're, <clears throat> if you're a greedy, you know, jerk, more money will make you a greedier jerk. If you're a mm -hmm. generous, loving, giving person, more money gives allows you to give more money. Um, so money in itself doesn't make you anything mm -hmm. uh, different than what you already are. But um, be aware of those thoughts because those thoughts create the feelings. Those feelings create the actions that you take, which then create the results in your life. So if you're not happy with the results of your life, um, look back on, you know, what did you hear growing up? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, you know, I think coming from a place of lack, but then also coming from a place of abundance can be equally toxic depending on how you were taught about money. Like if, you know, we see a lot of wealthy families who, you know, somebody has worked really, really hard to provide this great wealth for their family. And then one generation squanders it away because they've never learned how to appreciate and, 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 you know, um, use that money as a tool. They, it's always just been handed to them as if it was a, a you know, forever flowing fountain of money. And so they've squandered it. And then you have others who come from a place of lack, you know, parents were constantly, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, there was just not enough. And so when you get money, you, you, you hold on to it, but you're not spending it wisely. It's everything is in a panic. So I think they can be equally toxic depending on, you know, what you've been taught about money. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, that's a really good point. And those that are, you know, living in 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 mass abundance, um, mm -hmm. oftentimes, not always, but sometimes it came at the expense of time with their loved ones. Right. And and so there's a potentially a, a marriage that's struggling. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a strained relationship with those kids. And mm -hmm. yeah, those kids have a trust fund, so they think I don't have to ever worry. Um, and so you're really disabling them and it's, it's a disservice to them if you're just giving them, you know, money whenever they need it or want it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I agree hundred percent with that. With yeah. That well, and you know, when you come from lack and then all of a sudden you have money, but you've never been taught on, you know, how to save it, how to, you know, it's been paycheck to paycheck and you get a windfall, you know, like you see these athletes, that like get a windfall of money and they're bankrupt a few years later after they quit playing sports or, or, you know, music or yep. whatever it is, but it's because they've never learned money management. So, you know, they get the money, they spend it as fast as they're getting it. And now they've got great shoes and houses and cars and nothing to really show for it when it comes to retirement. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's really important to have these conversations and educate yourself on money, whether you have little or you have a lot, um, you can manage it best when you're educated. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I'll, I'll add a PS to that, to the, like the athlete, um, as well as those who like won the lotto. Right. You know, right. Mm -hmm. They come into all this money all of a sudden. Um, yes. It's the money management piece as well, but it's also a little bit of that money story. Mm -hmm. If their if their money story is fear and lack and, and scarcity, subconsciously they're going to wither it away because they are not familiar with that. That their yeah. internal thermostat is at this you know this level, and then suddenly they're at this level, and so um, it's it feels unsafe. It feels mm -hmm. scary. It's not familiar, not subconscious or not consciously, but subconsciously right. they're like, Ooh. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a combination of, yeah, I don't know how to manage it. And also this scares me. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, or I earn this and, you know, there's going to be more to come. You don't know that there's going to be more to come, you know, take, take that money and invest it wisely. Yeah. Um, 
So what are, what are smart investments right now? Well, I, I don't want to say right now because smart investments are really a long-term thing. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's many different things that make sense. You know, the stock market is a place for long-term investing. Mm-hmm. Um, over the, you know, history of the market, it's done very well. Um, you don't want to be in the market if you need your money short term. If you're going to buy a house in the next five years, it shouldn't be in the market. It should mm-hmm. be in bonds or it should be in a money market or a CD or something that's safer. Because the last thing you want is the money or the, the market to be correcting mm-hmm. when it's time to close escrow when you're trying to buy a house, right? Right, right. Um, mm-hmm. So depending upon your timeline and your risk tolerance and your timeline to need those monies, you're going to allocate your assets differently based on that, you know, those 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 aspects. Um, real estate is a great, you know, mm-hmm. diversifier as well. Um, people love to have uh, rental properties that create cash flow, and that's created lots of wealth. Um, being self-employed, investing in yourself, investing mm-hmm. in your own company. Um, yeah. You know, that's a great investment as well. Yeah, it sure is. Um, that That's, you know, for me, <clears throat> I've been an entrepreneur for most of my life, and I, you know, I look at it as, I'm investing in my future, right? By by creating a company and and having that um, live beyond me, you know, being being in a situation where I can employ others and create a sustainable future for them too. It's it's that's how I'm building my future. Yeah, good for you. So, what obstacles and challenges have you had to overcome in your journey? Oh boy. We have enough time for that. <laughs> I'm not sure we have enough time for that. Um, oh gosh, I think the first big obstacle was my divorce. Uh-huh. It's been a yeah. long time now. It's twenty. Well, my son is twenty-seven, so it's been uh, 28, 29 years, something like that. Um, you know, raising just raising him on my own for all those years and balancing. Uh, maintaining a home, raising him, being there for him all the time, having a career, mm-hmm. having a life, keeping sane, you know, all of that. Yeah. Um, then then came the challenges of my parents as they got older. Um, my, my dad passed in 2020 and watching him decline was, you know, very, very tough. Um, my They were married 67 years. Wow. My, my mom, um, you know, obviously it hit her you know, beyond hard. Um, she has advanced dementia. So managing her, she's with us still physically, um, but not all there, you know, mentally. So um, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with that now. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, uh, that's just, a, that's a struggle um, watching her, you know, be somebody that she isn't and, right. and at decline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was young, her biggest fear was getting dementia and, um, if she knew she was living this today, she would be, you know, she'd say, I don't want to be here. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it goes on and on. Um, yeah. there's just different things in life that slap you upside your ass when you don't expect it. And that's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be more to come. I, I just, uh, it's, it's about learning how to respond to those obstacles and and the attitude that we take towards them mm-hmm. um, you know i i will have a pity party and then i'll snap out of it yeah you know? yeah um, it's okay to have that pity party it's okay to have that 
lean into that sadness and then it's like just don't get stuck there yeah exactly yeah you have to you have to pull yourself back out of that yeah yeah and it's not always easy sometimes it's harder than you know some days mm -hmm. um but it's you know one day at a time Mm hmm. Yeah, I know. As you know, I was raising my son by myself. I've been raising him for the past six years. And it's a challenge, you know, since, you know, you're, you're divorced, you're trying to balance running a business and being there for employees and clients. And you're also like, I also have a kid to to raise and I don't want him to have an absent mom. So, you yeah, know, you're trying to find that balance. And it's it's a tough one. It's a tough it is. one. It is definitely a tough one. I think at the end of the day, we just going to give ourselves some grace mm -hmm. and know that we're doing the best we can. That's right. Exactly. So who inspires you? My parents always inspired me. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when my son came along, he inspired me. Um, he's always been my why. You know, yeah. I didn't want to get out of bed and I prefer to, you know, throw the sheets over my head and stay in bed all day. It was him that, you know, got me out. Um, and, you know, today it's probably a combination of, you know, still my parents, even though they're not necessarily here. Um, and my, my son, even though he's an adult and, you know, uh, essentially on his own and not, you know, needing mama anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's also now it's, it's uh, you know, the impact that I want to make on women's lives and help them navigate that path. I've been on that path. Um, and to your point at the very beginning, it's like, you know, I'm 63 and I navigated this change to being a financial coach at, when I was 62. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, someone looked at me like, aren't you getting ready to retire? I'm like, well, then what am I going to do? You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> I want to do something that's fulfilling and I've got mm -hmm. hopefully some, you know, decades still. So, um, yeah, don't, don't think it's ever too late. Yeah, definitely not too late. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I'm still I'm still very much, you know, I feel like I, I'm still in startup phase. We're eight years into our company and I'm like, it's still a startup. We're still grinding, you know, we're still pushing through and, you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I get it. Like, I, I just want to keep going because I don't know what I would do otherwise. Yeah, good for you. So, so as women, we often give our power away. So it could be something like, giving credit to somebody else that for work that we've done or allowing someone to treat us very poorly and not standing up for ourselves. So can you tell me about a time that you've given your power away and then maybe another time where you stepped into your power? I would say giving my power away was to my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. um, and intuitively, um, I knew things were wrong, but I didn't speak up Yeah, for fear, for fear of losing him for fear of being alone, for fear of, you know, that just, that just, you know, paralyzed that, you know, that, that was a, that was a paralyzing thought for me. Yeah. Um, one time this sticks out like crazy um, to where I spoke up. This was actually very early on. I had just graduated. Um, actually, I just came out of college. I had a job at an investment banking firm and then I went to work at a bank and my manager at the bank, um, today he would have been fired and probably a lawsuit against him. Mm -hmm. But he would um, like scream at the top of his lungs to his employees. Wow. Like, like crazy, like his face got red. I mean, like bad. Wow. Um, 
And again, today he would be, you know, out the door. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember going into him one time when he was, it was three of us sitting in his office and he was yelling at all of us. And I went into his office at the end of the day and I said, I didn't deserve that. That was uncalled for. I do not deserve to be treated like that. And I will not be treated like that ever again. I mean, I, I stood up to him and I was, my, my legs were shaking because I was like this 20, I think I was 25 at the time. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to lose my job, but holy shit, I don't care. I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. And um, he never yelled at me ever again, but continued wow. to, he, he yelled at the others, but wow. never. Yeah. Um, but I was very proud of myself for standing up to him because he was an utter jerk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> bully, a, a bully. Yeah, absolutely. A, a bully. Absolutely. Yeah. Bully. Wow. Good for you. Good for you. That's awesome. So what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? Be braver, mm-hmm. be kinder to yourself in just your journey and celebrate every little win. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with that. Oh. Yeah. That's the tough one is celebrating our wins because I think, you know, women, we tend to just be very humble about any accomplishments. We don't want to say it. We don't want to sound boastful. We don't want to sound, you know, cocky. We want to be humble about it. And so we don't speak up. And as a result, I think it holds us back because, you know, we don't go out for the opportunities. We're not getting the recognition. And a lot of it's, you know, us not wanting to to project that out there. So I yeah. think that we miss a lot of opportunities as a result of that. But you're absolutely right. You know, take credit and, and celebrate these opportunities. You've worked absolutely. hard for it. Yeah. Speak up for yourself for sure. I heard a statistic recently um in the job market like um oh god i don't remember the numbers but it was basically if you're applying for a job the men would apply for the job even though they didn't have all the qualifications they had mm-hmm. like 50 percent of the, the 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 skills required and they would apply anyways yeah. where women would need at least 90 percent or something very high to even consider being you know applying because they don't have everything absolutely or men yeah. are like it well, and and yeah, I know exactly which one you're talking about. What study that is? Because you're absolutely right. They they guys they were get they would get more opportunities because they would just assume that they'll interview well and that they'll learn it on the job, and mm-hmm. that's pretty accurate. You know, like they're they're not wrong in doing that. You know, I think it's a smart idea to sh- to project a little bit higher than what you think you can do because you're going to learn. And so, I mean, if you only take jobs at your level and you never go out for those promotions that are just a little bit higher skill set than what you have, then you're never going to advance. And so, you know, you just have to start, you know, you have to move up by creating those opportunities that scare you a little bit. And I think men are much more courageous when it comes to, well, and confident when it comes to their own skills and abilities and women tend to tend to downplay their own. So there's, there's a definite dichotomy there that, um, that stops us from advancing as much as we could. So, yeah. So ladies, if you don't have everything, every skill set, apply anyways. (laughs) absolutely a hundred percent so i've really enjoyed talking with you patty this has been a lot of fun but i have one more question um what do you what do you wish more people knew i would probably say to keep in mind um that we are co-creators in our life that um it isn't everything isn't just up to us to have to figure it out and and grind and hustle that we have a co-creator that has our back, mm-hmm. whether it's God, universe, Buddha, whatever it is your belief is, 
your angels, higher self, whatever, um, you're co-creating with that being. Mm -hmm. And um, if you remember that you're not alone um, in this in this path, even though you might physically live alone, you're not alone on this on this journey. Um, that just helps the the ride a little bit go you know, go, go a little smoother. Absolutely, a hundred percent agree with you on that because you know we are we are not always the one in control either. So we just have to believe that there is a greater a greater good happening, you know, yeah. beyond what we can see and feel. Yes. Agreed. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Patty. I've really, really enjoyed talking with you. Um, well, this likewise. has been a really interesting and um, educational talk. So I appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So how can people find you? Um, best way to find me is my website. This is my name. Um, mm -hmm. PattyHandy.com. Patty's with an I and Handy with a Y. Okay. And uh, there's a couple, there's a, a free download there of an ebook that I wrote, Women Starring Solo. And there's a, after you download the book, you'll get a, a training, um, a 35 minute training that was actually a five day masterclass that I condensed into a 35 minute training. Nice. Um, free to watch and uh, it's great information in there. Very cool. And you can also find Patty by going to prettypowerfulpodcast.com. All of her information and links will be on um, her bio there as well. So thank you again, Patty. I've really enjoyed talking with you and I hope everyone has the most amazing day ever. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.